Good morning, church. Shout if you love Jesus. Amen, amen. That's a few of you. That's awesome. Come on. Let's welcome our online church as well. We're so thankful that you're there. Thankful that you're joining in from wherever you are. If you're home because you're sick, we declare healing upon you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, somebody. Well, hey, I hope you had an awesome Thanksgiving. I failed to say happy Thanksgiving last weekend because I forgot we're headed into Thanksgiving. That's how quick, you know, these things happen. It's like, wow, we're headed for another holiday. But I hope you had an awesome Thanksgiving with your family and friends or whatever you did to celebrate. How many are thankful this morning for just a few things? I know, crazy time to be alive, but we can always find something to be thankful for. But now suddenly, forget that. It's Christmas. (laughs) It was Christmas in stores before Thanksgiving ever happened, right? Early and earlier every year. But hey, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas around here. I want to recognize uh, Gary V, you say his last name, and Jeff Miller, the Jeff Miller that's on sound, not the Jeffrey D. Miller. I know there's two here. Lori and Dan Keller, uh, along with Tina and Pat, Teresa Hanna, who helped decorate, and then, of course, Michael and Nate that are here on staff. Can we give them a round of applause for helping to get... The stage set, the lobby set up, new lights and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I just like what they're doing. It's making the place feel vibrant. Amen. And if I missed anybody, I apologize. Let me know and I'll shout out. But uh, there was a lot of hands helping with that. Speaking of Christmas, um, Christmas lands on a Monday, right? And so the Sunday before that is December 24th. Did I get that right? That's Christmas Eve morning. I know, that's a weird thing. It's Christmas Eve day, but it's Christmas Eve morning. It's a Sunday. We'll still have church. We're going to have two services, 9 and 11, okay? So invite a friend, bring somebody with you. It's going to be a special kind of service where we'll celebrate, you know, Christmas. We'll sing some, maybe a traditional song here and there. We're going to have cookies and things like that um, just to make it a real fun Christmas celebration that day. That's December 24th. Invite a friend, 9 o'clock. 11 o'clock. If you get messed up and you come at 10, you have to wait for the 11 o'clock service. (laughs) Hey, one final thing before I preach. Check out that blessing tree that is in the lobby out here to my left. Um, It's actually from what's called the Free Refuge Ministry. The other month, there was someone here from that ministry speaking in in one of our series. And they're actually raising, they're actually collecting items now and raising funds, of course, to help women that that they're rescuing from trafficking and prostitution and things like that. And they're setting up a home in Reading. Then now you can scan one of those items on that tree and say, I would like to provide that. And then you bring it back here. And then after we do that for a bit, we'll make a run downtown Reading and get, make sure all that stuff gets to that place. But if you can uh, check that out, that's a great way to wish someone that, uh, that, uh, a Merry Christmas that wouldn't otherwise have a great Christmas. Amen? Whew. There was a lot of announcements this morning. Let's regroup and pray, shall we? <laughs> Um, I'm so ready to preach. I have, I have, I, you feel like I've said it all, and then you just study Scripture a little more, and there's just more to say. Amen. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for these amazing people, this wonderful family called Grace Church. We thank you for the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Lord, you have not left us alone. You have given us of yourself in amazing ways. And so we pause again today to receive all that you have for us. And all God's people said... 
Amen and amen. Well, hey, we're still in a fruit salad series. Um, we've learned to abide in the vine as Alicia and I preached the first one. Um, and of course, his name is Jesus. Amen. We abide in Christ and he in us, and that doesn't change. And then learning to partner with the Holy Spirit was the next one, to remove everything that blocks the fruits of the Spirit. It's not that he hasn't provided, it's that we sometimes get in the way, right? There's this crazy thing called flesh. It's like that screaming three-year-old in the cereal aisle. <laughs> right? I want, I want. And, and you have to say no to the flesh and yes to the spirit, right? And if you look at all through scripture, that's, that's on us as we partner with the Holy Spirit and he empowers us to do that. And so look back on those messages. You can find them online or on YouTube. Now today I want to talk about joy restored. Somebody say joy restored. I want to hone in on a specific fruit of the spirit called joy. And there's a lot of them. I'll read all of them and we need all of them, right? But I want to talk about joy because I believe like it's, when it comes to the fruit, it's like apples. In other words, you, if you go into a, a, a fruit section of the grocery store and there were no apples, you'd be like, there's something wrong with this grocery store. But if they don't have bananas, they run out of that sometime, another popular. But if they don't have grapes, okay, they come and go. Blueberries, there's only one box of blueberries. <laughs> Raspberries, even less, right? You know what I'm saying? But apples, there's like 10 different kinds of apples. Right, but so in, 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 a, in, in the realm of fruits of the Spirit, I believe that joy is one of the main ones, and it's the first thing you notice that goes when people are under attack, or when they're in spiritual warfare, or they're going through hell and high water, it's like, joy, it like disappears, right? Not you, I know, it's the people that you know. <laughs> But I've experienced that, and I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you have too, because it's one of the first signs, if you will, that, that we're not experiencing the fruit that we should, right? Because we're facing things. And so I'm just, I'm just um, I just want to hone in and talk about this a little bit. Um, I want to pause and say, you, we won't know if we have the fruits of the Spirit unless it manifests in our relationships. Now, I said this all three times that I preached, but unless it's in your key relationships in your household, in your marriage, at your workplace, and you're with your kids and all that, and you won't know sometimes unless you ask, right? And so uh, I was really grateful to be married to someone that tells me when I need God time, <laughs> Right? Because when the fruits of the Spirit start to, start to not be manifest in my life, I get a little grumpy. And I get my, I don't, the smile that I usually have, I'm just a little sullen. And I can get a little bit just sober. You're like, oh, I'm deeply meditating on something. Just leave me alone for five days. You know, so, no, no, I'm, I'm stretching it. I'm not quite that traumatic. But sometimes, you know, and, and so Alicia's like, you need God time. And what that means is I need to sit and be aware of Christ within, the hope of glory, and get in touch with again. He didn't leave me. Come on, who left who in the garden and who hid from who? God didn't hide himself from Adam and Eve. Who hid themselves from God? Come on. And so you need to then regroup and say, wait a minute, wait a minute. He didn't leave me. Who left who? I need to get in touch with that again. I have the fruits of the Spirit. And then I pray again for that to be manifest. God doesn't withhold himself because he's stingy. We get sullen and we go inward and we get distracted. Come on, somebody. And then we get waylaid by the enemy. Joy restored. Galatians 5, let's list all the fruits of the Spirit, and then I want to hone in on joy. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. It's patience, kindness, and goodness. It's faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
And so, again, in my opinion, joy is one of the first things to go. That's why I want to talk about it. Now, when I got saved at, at age 19, uh, my teenage years were quite rough. Um, uh, other people might describe it differently. If my parents were alive, I don't know how they'd describe me as a teen. But I do know that I was a bitter teenager. I was angry, frustrated, bitter, a bit of a party head. I didn't like the idea of God anymore. I thought God wore a black suit, and I thought he wore a black hat, and I thought he hated people, and I thought he was ready to whip us into shape, you know, and so I just didn't like the idea because of my religious upbringing. I just wasn't sure I liked the idea of God anymore, and so I, I withdrew, right? God didn't withdraw himself from my life. He was pursuing me the whole time, but one of the main things that happened when I said yes to Jesus and got invited to a different kind of church, come on, somebody. I invited to a church like you all, a little bit of happy, clappy people that had the joy of the Lord. I didn't know what to do with these people. They scared me to death. I thought they were all crazy, and my parents already had declared this place a cult because they had drums, uh, <laughs> and they worshiped sometimes like this, and they're like, don't, don't go to that church, please, and that's the church I went to. They had something I didn't have. And, they, and the main thing that I saw was joy, and I didn't know how to get it until I said yes to Jesus, fully surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, and I got filled with the Holy Spirit, whereby I felt his presence in a tangible, tangible way. And my parents didn't know what to do with that. They understood the religious me, even the party had me, because you go through this phase, teenager phase, right? But then when I got filled with a newfound joy of the Lord, and I wanted to go to church all the time, they also didn't know what to do with that. Because I don't know what to do with the happy, clappy Vern. Now he's really weird. <laughs> Man, where did we go wrong? <laughs> but it was joy that started to mark my life and started to be restored to my life because God said, this is what I have for you. I'm going to put a smile on your face. I'm going to set your feet upon a solid rock, Jesus Christ. And now the joy of the Lord is your strength. Can I get a good amen? amen. Romans 14, 17 says this. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. It's just, you know, in other words, it's not a matter of rules and regulations, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's about righteousness in Christ. It's about the peace of the Lord. And it's about joy. Why then sometimes, come on, I don't know if it's just me. Why then sometimes are we in the kingdom and in various churches and there's no joy? I don't know. If I knew the answer, I would write a book and get rich. But, uh, but too, too many churches in America, in my opinion, are way too sullen for Christ Jesus. <laughs> okay, now you got quiet. That's good. I must have hit a nerve. No, there's something lacking. It's righteousness, peace, and joy. And, and when that's lacking, like the church I grew up in, I wonder what they think they really have because it isn't the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It might be other fruits, but it isn't all the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Psalm 51, 12, uh, King David prayed this. He said, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. That's why I want to call this joy restored because I believe God is restoring some things to you and to me, to this church even, and even to this region. The kingdom of God is about the joy of the Lord, and that's what should be manifesting. First Peter 1.8, he writes, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, that is Jesus, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. King James Version says, joy unspeakable and full of glory. There's a joy that God has for his kids 
whereby they can hardly describe it, is what they're saying. There's a joy that should be resident within us through thick and thin, ups and downs, not when everything's just going right. Come on, somebody. It's a joy that comes from the Holy Spirit. It's not just something you made up. And, and yeah, it's, it's a choice, but it's really a choice to partner with the Holy Spirit. Uh, when people just plaster a smile on their face, they look a little fake, don't they? Kind of like the person checking you out at the department store on Black Friday. <laughs> Trust me, they're not happy. They just, plaster, they just plaster that smile. I'm just kidding. That's probably some of you. Some of you do have the joy, Lord. I'm just picking on you. So life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness is part of our USA Declaration of Independence, right? And that's not a bad thing. So don't mean to like pick on that. I'm okay with it. But happiness, unlike joy, is very temporary. Um, it's an emotion that comes and goes, right? It's mostly based on positive or negative circumstances. Happiness is often reactionary. Listen, it's, it can be reactionary. It can be momentary. And it's mostly an outward expression. Whoever said money can't buy happiness is wrong. Money can buy lots of happiness. It's just that it doesn't last. Money can't buy everlasting joy. That's impossible. Does that make sense? Joy is a fruit of the spirit of Jesus. Therefore, it's not dependent. Listen, it's not dependent on our circumstances. It manifests in comfort, contentment, and peace, no matter what season we might find ourselves in. So therefore, it's an attitude of the heart. It's a position of the spirit. It's not that the spirit doesn't know what we're going through. He provides something, though, to help us go through. And that's different than saying, I'm going to make you happy, which isn't lasting. It's a strength that's received from God to his sons and daughters in the faith. And so joy is not the absence of sadness. That isn't true either. It's like, I'm feeling sadness, so therefore joy isn't present. And come on, is the Holy Spirit so present in your sadness? So the kingdom of God is still righteousness, peace, and joy in the middle of all that we're going through. Doesn't mean you always are smiling, always laughing, but it means there's an inner joy. There's something in the spirit that as believers we carry no matter what season we're in. Are you catching this? So it's possible to experience joy in difficult times. I know that I have. It's possible to know joy or feel or, or even feel joy in spite of grief and uncertainty. You know, all kinds of fears are hitting us. We've lost loved ones along the way, various things like that. Joy, joy is okay sharing space with other emotions like sadness and fear and anger and even temporary unhappiness, right? But happiness can't. Happiness says, unless all of my ducks are in a row, unless things are going perfect, unless I have all that I need, I cannot feel happy. Right? Joy is a, is a different thing. It demands, uh, happiness demands something from you that, that everything is perfect before I can feel this emotion. Am I right, somebody? So joy, therefore, I call it a transcendent gift from God. It's something altogether different. It comes from a different place inside of us, right? We're spirit, soul, and body, right? Our souls are mind, will, and emotions. So happiness is in the soul realm. Joy comes from the spirit. It's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. So it's different than our fleeting emotions of physical satisfaction. Happy moments of celebrating achievements and accomplishments. That makes us happy for a moment, right? Our endless accumulation of stuff makes us happy. Come on, Christmas, more gifts. Amen, somebody. It'll make you happy for Christmas morning. Come on, y'all have had kids. How long are they happy with the new toy that they got? Right? And then the next week, they're wondering when they're going to get something else, a new game. <laughs> I was like that as a kid. So, so were you. 
We're not advocating that your stuff, uh, I'm not advocating, I wanna, I'm gonna be careful how I preach this, I'm not advocating that you stuff your emotions in order to experience joy. In other words, what you're going through, you're going through. What I'm rather advocating is that you not ignore your emotions, but that you live in them and then add something to them, which is the joy of the Lord. So I want to unpack that a little bit. I'm advocating that in and amongst your stuff and in and amongst your circumstances, you say, I'm going to add the fruits of the Spirit into it so that I can get through it. Amen? Does that make sense? It's not stuffing this to get that and therefore pretending that you're not going through, you know, or you're having a bad hair day or you're having, you know, or things are going awry at work. It's not pretending that things are going okay that's actually going to produce the joy of the Lord. It's adding something which comes from the Spirit. So we cultivate joy by focusing on the fruits of the Spirit. Ask God to help you get in touch with it. It's not that he withheld it. It's that we're oftentimes not in touch with it. And I call it being 100% aware of what's brewing within. That's the way I preach that. Because, because when I talk about baptism of the Holy Spirit, we, if we are not careful how we preach it, we preach that he's not here yet and we're still waiting for him to come. And then he leaves and then we have to pray for him to come as if Pentecost has to come again and again. What we need to do is say, you came, we received it and we were filled. Now help me again to be filled again and again, which means I'm aware again and again and again how much I need it. And then we experience it again and again and again not because he he like says oh sick of these people i'm out of here now you better pray for another 30 days for me to come back or fast properly or something like that y'all okay with that yes. psalm 16 david says this again you make known to me the path of life and in your presence there is fullness of joy i'm saying you come back into an awareness of god's presence whereby the fruit of the spirit flows again through your life he says, at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And if King David discovered this, and that's why he built that temple probably and went on to 24-7 praise and worship. He even, he even paid those worshipers to worship around the clock. Why? Because he knew that in God's presence, there is there's fullness of joy. And I declare that it was that joy that helps David get through the ups and downs of his life. And that's what's been provided for us through Jesus Christ. Even Nehemiah in the Old Testament in, um, in chapter 8, 10, he says, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. He's looking for all kinds of strength to rebuild that wall and on and on and to do what God called him to do. He's looking for the strength. Of, and he says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. I still, that's still a word for us today, even though that was Old Testament stuff. Did Jesus have joy? Was Jesus a joyful person? I'm glad you asked because I want to tell you. Hebrews 12, 2 says, look into Jesus of founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he's seated at the right hand of the throne of God. It says that he had a joy. It doesn't mean he, he went through every village laughing necessarily, although I believe that he did. If y'all have seen The Chosen, I believe that they depict Jesus in a really good way if you want to watch the series. And of course, they, they take what's written in the Bible and expound upon it, right, and, and make it like it would be everyday life. And it's just, a, I think it's a great series. But Jesus was okay, you know, uh, laughing with the disciples and, and bringing joy wherever he went with Mary and Martha and Lazarus and all those folks. But he did, he carried a resident joy. Why? Because he was filled with the Holy Spirit. So listen, why would the enemy want to steal joy first? Why would he want to take one of the main fruits, if you will? And I believe it's, it's one of the fruits that's just probably the most popular out of all the fruits. It's easily seen and then easily 
seen when it's not there. You easily notice when it isn't there. Why would the enemy want to steal our joy? And why is he after that so much? Even in, in, in uh, sons and daughters of the most high God, why is he always trying to steal our joy? Now, why does he love a joyless society like he hates this fruit so, so much? I want to give you a few reasons that I believe um, might be the case. He absolutely hates when you're joy-filled. Um, number one, because joy of the Lord crushes oppression. Somebody say, joy crushes oppression. Isaiah 61, I really want to read part of this, maybe just one to three. Um, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. This prophecy from Isaiah. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor in the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. To grant to those who mourn in Zion. To give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes. I love how poetic this is. The oil of gladness. Somebody say the oil of gladness. Instead of mourning. The garment of praise. Somebody say a garment of praise. Instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Literally almost a thousand years. I should have looked this up. I don't remember how many, how many years between Isaiah and Jesus Christ. He could see joy restored to the people. And he knew that the New Testament, the New Covenant would be marked by something, this thing called gladness and rejoicing. Because in that land leading up to, there wasn't a lot of gladness and rejoicing because there was a lot of frayed relationships and people turning away from God. But he was predicting and prophesying rather that under the new covenant, there'd be oil of gladness and garments of praise. And now in the New Testament, John 16, 22, we read, so also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, Jesus says, and your hearts will rejoice. Your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. Meaning, if you can't, if the enemy can't take Jesus from you, then it doesn't make sense for the enemy to be able to take joy from you. Rather, it's a deception that sets in whereby we're like, I don't know that I can experience it. How many know the biggest weapon the enemy has against us is deception? Because he's defeated and then we believe he's not. Amen, somebody? That's another, that's kind of another message. And maybe we'll preach that some other day. Alicia will preach that next Sunday or <clears throat> Psalm 30, King David said this again. You've turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and you have clothed me with gladness. Hallelujah. Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope, this is what Paul's writing now, and I'm switching between old, old covenant and new covenant, but it's a theme throughout the whole Bible. There was way too many verses to share with you today. We'd be here till three o'clock. Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy, Paul writes, and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. And so this is part of your inheritance in Christ Jesus. So just like walking into a dark room and turning on a light, I'm telling you this morning that the joy of the Lord in your life is what starts to dispel the darkness that is trying to overtake us in this country, in this land, but more particularly right now in your life. And so when you feel temptation towards something, man, I'm telling you that the joy of the Lord starts to dispel those things. Man, it happens when depression is coming at you, oppression of all kinds, even suicidal thoughts and hopelessness and frustrations of life. 
evil temptations from Satan of all kinds. Whatever darkness is trying to come against you, when you get in touch with what God has placed within you, which is the joy of the Lord and peace, it starts to dispel that darkness. It's like, it's like a weapon that says, I don't have to have all my ducks in a row. Because see, when I, when I got saved, I wasn't cleaned up. Come on, somebody. I still had a few addictions. I still had a foul mouth. I was still dabbling with my party, party friends and then going to church on Sunday. And I had to go through a season of cleansing. I had to find all new friends because it, was, it wasn't okay sitting in circles where they're passing alcohol and doobies. Yeah. <laughs> pot or whatever it was. To this day, I'm not really sure what all they were passing around. I just, I had, I had to get out of that, right? But my life wasn't cleaned up before the joy of the Lord became part of me. Does that make sense? It was the joy of the Lord and the Holy Spirit working in me that gave me a strength. Come on, the joy of the Lord is my strength, and that helped me to say no to the evil and yes to the Lordship of Jesus Christ again and again and again. Does that make sense? Come on, how many Christians get that backwards? If all my ducks are in a row, and if I'm free from yada, 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 and yada, then I will experience joy. It actually works the other way. God says, I fill you, and now I strengthen you, and now you can walk free. Amen, somebody? It's a backwards Christianity to some people, and religion teaches, I'm saying false religion teaches the opposite. Why does the enemy hate joy so much? Number one, it, oppress, it chases away oppression of all kinds. Number two, joy helps us to receive from God. Joy helps us to receive from God. I want to explain this a little bit. How we approach God actually matters. I'm, uh, I, I, I'm okay if you come to God through thick and thin. I don't care if your language isn't cleaned up. God just wants you to be there. God wants you to talk to him. God wants you to receive from him through all seasons. Understand. But there, if you really want to receive from God and get to know him, whereby he gets to know you, there's an intimate relationship. Come on. Christianity is a relationship. I don't like to call it a religion. I like to call it a relationship. Understand that. But how we approach God does matter in scripture. And it's choosing an attitude of the heart, which includes humility, faith, thankfulness, boldness, and joy, it actually enhances our ability to receive from him all that we need. And I don't know about you, but all my kids, I, I was thinking about all four of them because they were all home for the holidays. We had a wonderful time with all four of them. Some are home from college and whatnot. Now they're going back. But uh, they've all learned how to ask for something from me really, really well. I don't know how they learned it. I'm assuming their wonderful mother taught them. But if they come to me with an attitude, you're not getting it. And that's not true. Of course, I'm going to feed them, house them. You know, you understand what I'm saying? But I don't know. When they were young, they would come to me, hey, dad. You know, some of them bat their eyelashes if they have them. You got me wrapped around. You know, how about if we would, you know, how about if we stop for Wendy's? I could use a Frosty, you know. And on and on and on. And, and just this week, my, my second daughter was home, and she's planning this amazing Friendsgiving with her and her college friends and all this kind of stuff. And, and she has this list of stuff that she's going to make. And I didn't even get her permission to tell the story, and she will never know because she's not watching right now. She's back at college. And so anyway, but listen, and she she's, has this whole list of groceries, and she knew we were going grocery shopping. And she's like, well, hey, how about if I add these things, you know, while she's batting her lovely eyelash? I'm like, of course, we'll buy all, all your food as well for you and all your friends along with, why not? Well, they know how to ask. But if you come with unthankfulness, come on, if you come with entitlement, I deserve, you come with a scowl on your face, 
Oh, come on. You, those of you that have kids, those of you that were kids, you know there's a right way to approach your mom and dad if you actually want to get something. You come with a great idea that you make it think is their idea. <laughs> you come into agreement and you come with respect and you come with the right heart attitude. Am I wrong? And how we come to God actually matters. And so we come to him with thanksgiving. Listen to this. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, 18. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Rejoice always. Wait. We don't even know those go together because we take pray without ceasing as if it's like its own little verse. Right before that, it says rejoice always. How many of you met a very happy intercessor in your life? I know. None of you. None of you. I'm telling you what God is restoring to the church is joy-filled servants of the Lord, joy-filled prayer warriors, joy-filled prophets that actually emulate Jesus Christ and not just Old Testament prophets. Okay, I'm preaching now and you ain't getting it. Joy of the Lord has to be manifest in all the fivefold ministries, including intercessors, prayer warriors, prophets and preachers, teachers alike. And when they come with scowls on their faces and they approach God as if they're entitled to something... God looks at us like, seriously? What are you, still a teenager with that teenage attitude? Sorry, teenagers, I'm picking on you. I was one, and I know what I was like as a teenager. I didn't know how to ask my parents for anything. I demanded it, right? And it was was a rough relationship between me and my dad for many, many years. But my kids have learned to come with boldness, but they come with joy, not with entitlement, anger, or just taking me for granted because it doesn't really work well. You know that money don't grow on trees, right? And like, I know, but do you have this much? Yeah. Of course I do. I love you. <laughs> Psalm 100 says this, and back to King David, he says this, and this is, this is something that we've lost sight of sometimes in the church. King David says this to his people, serve the Lord with gladness. I command you, you will serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Serve the Lord with gladness. Now, this is Old Testament, understand, but listen to Deuteronomy. Listen to this. And now this doesn't apply because under the new covenant, we're free from every curse. Does it make sense? So when I read this, don't go back to the old covenant, but listen to principle because this is what's been provided for us in the new covenant. But in the old covenant, Deuteronomy, God says this, because you did not serve the Lord your God with joyfulness and gladness of heart because of the abundance of all things, Therefore, you shall serve your enemies whom the Lord will send against you in hunger and thirst, in nakedness and lacking everything. And he'll put a yoke of iron on your neck until he has destroyed you. That's harsh. Why? Because you did not serve the Lord your God with joyfulness and gladness of heart. All these sour so-called believers that we bump into. Again, not you. People that you know. (laughs) The oil of joy and gladness turns our grumbling prayers into prayers of faith and trust. Joy and gladness draws us away from self-pity type prayers when we're interacting with God and entitlement prayers and allows us to focus on his realm of possibilities instead of our sad limitations. Can I get a good amen? Joy helps us come to God as sons and daughters, and we don't approach as beggars. Beggars come with an attitude. You're rich and I'm not. Give me some. Sons and daughters come to God and say, I'm part of your household. 
You, 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 you birthed me. You created me. I am your son. I am your daughter. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. What you have, I know is mine, but I want to interact with you to see how I can partake of all the goodness that is in this house. And God is like, I'm glad to do so. See, we don't come with a chip on our shoulder. The oil, the oil of joy, the oil, oil, the oil, oil of joy changes our our core attitude when we're interacting with God. Are you getting this? And therefore, there's a giving and receiving, and it, it changes your relationship with God. I'm declaring to you that it, that it will change the way you get your prayers answered. KK? KK, good. Making sure you're still there. <laughs> Number three, why does the devil hate joy so much? Why is this one of the first fruits he loves to steal from God's kids. Number three, because joy promotes good health. Somebody say good health. Man, under the new covenant, come on. It's not just salvation that Jesus died for. It's good health. He took every curse on that tree, and he said, not of just establishing a kingdom of righteous peace and joy, but of salvation, and I have conquered all of all diseases. I've, I've conquered everything that is plaguing my kids. And so in him, we can declare this. And so I want to read a few from Proverbs where it says this, Proverbs 17, 22. Even King Solomon knew some of this stuff. He's like, a joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. He says again in uh, chapter 15, a glad heart makes a cheerful face, but by sorrow of heart, the spirit is crushed. Again in verse 15, all the days of the afflicted are evil, but the cheerful of heart has a continual feast. And I don't know if you believe in this kind of research, but I really do. And I've seen this unfold, not, not necessarily in my life, but in people around me. Research shows that depression, anger, and stress are the cause of many diseases, if not most diseases, have roots in, in plagues of the soul, if you will. It includes things like cancer, arthritis, and heart disease, and more. And I'm not saying everything. I'm just saying that some of it has its roots in a sorrowful root of bitterness stuck in our soul, and therefore has a physical outcome. Does that make sense, somebody? But a joyful heart and actually, research has actually shown this, and doctors have actually studied this as well, that when someone has the joy, and they don't always call it the joy of the Lord, but they're able to laugh a little, even if they're in a hospital bed, they're able to say, no, I have a peace and I have a joy. Doctors don't always know where this comes from. But listen, that actually is known to lower blood pressure. It releases muscle tension. It decreases stress hormones, and it boosts the immune system. And this has been proven again and again and again in various research. And doctors don't always give credit to God most high, but they give credit to this thing called happiness. And so they say, get happy. I've actually heard of doctors that say, go home and rent a bunch of comedy movies or, you know, listen to the, or get yourself to a comedy show and laugh a little because they know that even the temporary happiness, and come on, we have something better than temporary happiness, don't we? We have joy of the Lord, is actually like a medicine. King James uses that phrase, and, and I, I didn't quote the but it says it's like a medicine to your soul. Why does the enemy hate joy so much? Because the joy of the Lord is like a medicine to everything that ails us. How many of you have lived long enough to have an ailment or two? Come on. Only three of you? You're amazing. I am, I am way too... 
I, I, you guys are way too good for me. I can't do this anymore. I'm, I'm teasing you again. But seriously, when we can get into a space, and again, I'm not telling you to just plaster a smile on your face. That's a little fake, right? If you're working in retail, maybe you should. If you're a banker, you should put a, put a smile on your face. That's right. I understand that. But no, I'm asking you to dig a little deeper. God has provided something for us that is our inheritance, and it's in the spirit. And then we recognize it, and we call it out and say, wait a minute, wait a minute. I have the joy of the Lord. Now, now manifest. That's what I do. It's not something that I say, where is it? Where is it? I, I wish I could just go on Amazon and buy it. Can you buy a bottle of this stuff? No, it's actually in you because the Holy Spirit is in you. You can't find it in you as a human, but you're not just human, are you? You're a human that is filled with the Holy Spirit, kind of making you... Su- not kind of. You are then superhuman. You are a new kind of human. Matter of fact, you're called a new creation. Matter of fact, the root of that is called a new species of human after the day of Pentecost, which is just basically human but empowered with with power from on high, called the Holy Spirit. Now there's things in you because the Holy Spirit is in you that we can glean from and draw from that changes our lives entirely. Amen, somebody? I want to read you one final scripture. It's from Isaiah 35, 10. I want to declare this over you. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. And everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. And they shall obtain gladness and joy. Somebody say joy again. And sorrow and sighing shall flee away. I'm going to read it one more time because I really want you to just take this as a word from God for you today prophetically. And the ransomed of the Lord, that means those who have been saved and rescued. Is that you today? The ransomed of the Lord. Those who have been rescued from something. I've been rescued by the Lord. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion. That is the new kingdom. That is kingdom. That is new covenant. It's, it's a prophetic, metaphoric. With singing, they're going to come with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing, though it's there for a moment, will flee away. Amen, somebody? Would you stand with me today? You're such an amazing, amazing family called Grace Church. I declare the joy of the Lord upon you today. I declare that the enemy will stop robbing you today of this thing called joy. Matter of fact, all the fruits of the Spirit. But today I'm honing in because he has robbed the body of Christ way too long. He has set up his religious structures all across our land. You can see him on almost every corner of various towns. And he doesn't necessarily mark them with joy. They're marked with a lot of things, but not necessarily the joy of the Lord. I'm telling you, there's a new people coming up in the land, and that is you, and that is me, that are marked with all the fruits of the Spirit. I declare that the revival that is coming on us in this land will be marked by all the fruits of the Holy Spirit, and especially the joy of the Lord, because God says, I am not going to have a somber, stricken people that don't know how to laugh, they don't know how to experience the joy of the Lord. And the joy of the Lord has now become a medicine within people. It has become whereby the Holy Spirit, starting from within, flows through you like a river of living water. Come on, that's another scripture for you. It flows and it bubbles up within you like a spring. I'm telling you, this is the season for uncapped wells of revival. Maybe we'll talk more about that. But there's wells being uncapped that were stuck. Some of them are in you. Some of them are just in culture. And some of you have been waiting, almost like waiting 
waiting for the Messiah. Some people prayed for years for the Messiah. But you've been waiting for these wells to be unstopped. And I'm telling you today that this is one of the main wells that will be unstopped in our generation. Because... The earth is waiting for the joy of the Lord. They're waiting to see something on your face. They're waiting to see something in your body that says, I, am, I have the joy of salvation. And they're looking at us Christians. They're going, followers of Jesus, what a sad lot. And I'm going, look at me. I am happy with what God has done in my life. Not just happy, temporary, but I'm filled with the joy of the Lord because he rescued me from literally the destructive idols of hell. And he set my foot upon a rock. And every time I'm feeling sad, every time I'm feeling tempted, every time I'm feeling plagued by something, oppressed by something, I say, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's not my inheritance in the Lord. I don't ignore my emotions, but I add something to it called the fruits of the Spirit. I still have the joy of the Lord. I still have God's promises within me. I still am filled with the righteousness, peace, and joy that is mine in the kingdom. How about you? Now, we don't have to be lacking in this season. And I declare we're entering a season where, where the people of the world will find some of you and go, what are you carrying? Literally, it's what I need. We're going to enter a season where fish will jump into the boat. Amen, somebody. And they will, they will come into your family. They will, hi, they will hijack you at work, wherever it is that you work. They will hijack you on the streets and say, what must I do to be saved? Because they see something in you. They see you carrying something that is unexplainable without Jesus Christ. I kept you standing for too long. I want to pause right now and say, this is impossible unless you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and that you were literally filled with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Because without that, it's not possible. Can we pause for just a moment and say, if you don't know the Lord, we want to quickly pray with you and help you get that journey started. Can we do that? Every eye closed for just a moment, just to give you a personal space. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord, he is the giver of all joy. Would you raise your hand and acknowledge that so we can quickly pray with you? Anybody in this room who says, I need the Lordship of Jesus Christ in my life. If I don't know the author of this joy, I can't experience it. I might've seen a hand. I'm not actually sure. We're gonna pray anyway. And if you're online... Let's pray with those guys as well. Let's pray together. Father God, I come to you in Jesus' name. Your word says, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Lord Jesus, I am calling on you. I repent of all my sins. Come into my heart and be Lord over my life. Holy Spirit, Fill me completely. Lead and guide me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. <clears throat> if that was you, I'd love for you to scan a QR code in front of you that's on the seat back and stop by the Next Step station. And we'd like to send a gift home with you, a book to help you on that journey. We bless your journey. Uh, tell us how we can journey with you on on your newfound relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, I want to do a final prayer. If you're here today and you're saying, I need joy restored, I want to pray over you. And uh, I'm going to raise my hand too because I've been through some seasons just like you where it seems like one of the first things to go is the joy of the Lord. 
If you're just bold enough to acknowledge that, to say, I'm in one of those seasons where the joy of the Lord needs to be restored in my life. Yes, a lot of you. Come on, raise your hand everywhere. Let's pray together. God is shaking something off today. I can feel it. I might be foolish enough to just dance across this stage. <laughs> Jay will join me. <laughs> you, can, you can put your hands down, but listen, we need to shake it off. And what I mean by shake it off, it's a repentance of the mind. Repentance, the word metadoia means to change your mind and to think differently about these things. It's a turning away from by turning to. You turn to the right thing, which by default is a turning away from. You turn away from what the world has offered you and you turn to the Holy Spirit. Now in this case, we turn to the Holy Spirit that is resident within us right? You're saved. That means you have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. It's not a new age thing. You don't turn to yourself, but you turn to the presence of the Holy Spirit in you and say, you provided joy for me. Some of you need to shake it off, man. I would love if drums would just play for a little bit. Welcome, Tyler. I'm so glad that you're here. Play, play a rhythm. Some of you just need to shake it off a little. Get into a prayer mode and say, I'm going to shake off the sorrow. I'm going to shake off the thing that's plaguing me. I'm going to shake it off. I don't know what you need to do to shake it off. Some of you need to like move around a bit. But there's a moment here where I just want to pray over you. And I'm going to pray for the spirit of the age to be shaken off and be replaced by the spirit of joy in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, I pray for all my brothers and sisters. Lord, as they're in this season that they didn't ask for, but they're in this season where they've been apprehended by the evil one. I declare that you would release your stronghold over them right now in the mighty name of Jesus. I take authority over everything that plagues my brother and my sister. I declare them to be released right now in Jesus' mighty name. We say no more. Say it with me. No more. I choose joy in Jesus' name. And I declare joy now over every brother and every sister, everybody that's watching online and will listen to this later. I declare the spirit of joy that comes from within by the power of the Holy Spirit because you provided all the fruits of the Spirit for us in this season. I declare that they would go from this place not the same way that they came in. If they're carrying something, it stays. Some of you need to come front to the altar a while to shake this thing off. Some of you, God is breaking stuff off of you so that you can leave the frustration and the oppression right here. We're, uh, prayer teams, you can come forward a while as people are shaking this thing off. I woke up this morning hearing drums. I was just thinking, it's just a way for us to shake it off. Come on, somebody. There's something that the Holy Spirit is doing in this season where he's returning something to you that you thought was lost. I'm glad that you're here, but some of you drug yourselves here. Some of you took every ounce of strength for you to get here. And you need something broken off today that feels like oppression. Some of you come front and get prayer started, starting now. And we're just going to shake this thing off. I don't want you to leave here the same. You actually don't have to carry it home with you. It's already being shaken off one after the next, after the next, after the next. Raise your hand again if you're saying, shake it off. Shake it off. I want to see who you are. I declare over you one more time, you're coming into a different season. God is setting you free from the oppressor and restoring to you the joy of your salvation in Jesus' name. More of that, Lord. More of that, Lord. Just begin to pray. Begin to pray in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Restore to your sons and daughters the joy of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> yeah.
I'm pausing for a little just to see what else God wants to do in our midst. Some of you are receiving something right now. Some of you feel the joy that's like a medicine just flowing through you. It's actually just flowing through your veins, in and through you. More of you belong up front here to pray with these guys. Shake something off today. Don't carry it home with you. There's a few more of you. We're going to pray with you. Be here as long as we need you to pray with you. Now to the rest of you, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and give you peace and a very joy-filled week in Jesus' mighty name. I love you so much. Amen. Amen and amen. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, guys. Be blessed. We'll see you again real soon.